0: Hello and welcome to All Things Women's Health. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Stroud. I'm an obstetrician, gynecologist. I'm a husband, I'm a father. I'm a small business owner, I'm a grandfather, I'm a Catholic, I'm a lot of things. But today on this show, I'm your host as we talk about all things women's health. It doesn't matter if it's from childbirth to infertility, pregnancy to menopause or personal trainers to homeschooling. If it involves women and their health, it's on our agenda. Joining me today is a simply remarkable woman whose remarkable story I know is gonna touch you in numerous ways. Her name is Shelby Eicher, and she uh, is by any measure an amazing woman, wife, mother, and and much more even than that. Um, Her story is going to be one of loss, uh, of suffering, of disappointment, of triumphant, of surprise. And I'll tell you now, you have to listen till the end because the ending is not what you think. More than anything, her story is one of a mother's heart. So get comfortable as we get to know more about this remarkable woman and the life-changing story of her pregnancy journey. We'll be right back with All Things Women's Health. Welcome back to All Things Women's Health, and welcome Shelby Iker.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah,
0: thanks for having the courage to come on and, and tell your story. Not just everybody wants to do that. So uh, as I teased in the intro, your story is a complex one and it's got a lot of turns and a lot of twists and uh, so let's just start because I know part of the story because I've been uh, blessed to be your physician from time to time during this journey but let's go way back to the beginning even before you met your husband. Go ahead.
1: Um, So I had my daughter Paisley in 2015 and um, At the time, I didn't know he would be my future husband, but Aaron was um, at the hospital when she was born and saw her after. So he's been there since day one. (laughs) Um, And then fast forward, uh, we got married in July of 2017. And we then experienced our first miscarriage. Did you want
0: to be pregnant right away after marriage?
1: I was excited to be, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I'm sure you're you're freshly married. You have a a one-and-a-half, two-year-old. You're excited. You get pregnant. You think, this is perfect. And then?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was very naive, thinking nothing would go wrong. Um, But we miscarried. Mm.
0: Um, As you think back about that miscarriage, it's been a while. But do you remember those feelings? And what was that like to miscarry? Right after getting pregnant, right after getting married.
1: Um, It was very hard, and um, there were so many emotions because I wasn't expecting it. Mm. We had heard baby's heartbeat. So, um, yeah, it was just a hard emotional time. But I really leaned on my husband, and I do think that it helped us become closer. Mm.
0: Um, Yeah, that's particularly hard, I think, because in cases like yours— you didn't have any experience being married. Yeah. You didn't have a lot of experience to, yeah. to lean on in terms of a long relationship. So yeah. right out of the gate, you guys had to deal with crisis. Yeah. That's challenging. Yeah. You know, do you remember in thinking back um, maybe the better moments of the miscarriage and the lesser moments of the miscarriage? And when I say that, I think about uh, people like me on the healthcare side mm-hmm. of the story. What was that like in your memory?
1: Um, uh, at that time, I was with a different provider, um, and there was not any support, really. Um, that was—we didn't know what we were doing, you know, yeah. walking through that, and we I don't feel like we had anybody walking with us. Yeah.
0: I don't think that's an uncommon feeling. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of women, in their early loss sort of experiences— Will describe just sort of feeling, kind of invisible. Yeah. Does that come to mind?
1: Yeah, and yeah. definitely, it felt like most people didn't understand mm. that hurt because it wasn't a baby we held or right. Um, you know. Yeah, to I meet.
0: Like, I like to remind people that even if the world tells you that what you just went through is not the loss of a child, your heart knows it, mm-hmm. which is why you feel so horrible. Yeah. But I think we create a conflict. Yeah, because you're thinking, well, if this is no big deal, why do I feel like it's a big deal? Right, uh, and that conflict, I think, makes it even worse. Yeah,
1: and then you grieve the the dreams that you had and the hopes, and you know, at this month we were supposed to be yeah. a family of four, kind right. of thing. And those are the dates that you remember, uh, but sure. everybody else. So
0: months. that was in 2017. Um, yeah. A little bit of time goes by, but not much, Yeah. Uh, and pick up the story.
1: Um, we were pregnant again, um, and we delivered our baby at 27 weeks. Um, and she lived for a month and then passed away. And that was very – that was a hard journey. It had to and be. And in the first year of marriage, that was just a lot. Um, I don't think
0: anybody could describe that as – Less than a lot. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. maybe give listeners a better sense of the pregnancy with your daughter. You know, how did the pregnancy go and how mm-hmm. did you come to the 27 week birth?
1: Yeah. So we, the pregnancy was completely normal up until our 20 week anatomy scan, yeah. um, and they thought that her arteries and her heart were switched, Right. Um, so then we got sent to a high-risk doctor, and um, we were down at IU Health mm. um, every week, getting an ultrasound, and they thought that there was a hole in her heart yeah. at one point, um, so we knew we needed to deliver down at Methodist, um, down in Indy, and the day that I actually delivered her I hadn't felt her move Mm. all day and that just wasn't like her she was very active and so I was constantly on the phone with doctors and I tried all the things and at that point I just told Aaron I'm like we need to just go in so we did and they struggled to find uh, her heartbeat Mm. and so it was an emergency c-section he got her out and Two minutes. To interrupt
0: you. So it wasn't a plan. You weren't driving down with the intention to have your daughter that day. Once you got there, these things developed, and you had to move quickly and have a C-section.
1: Yeah, and I should say we actually ended up delivering in Fort Wayne. We weren't even at the hospital. That was the plan. We were supposed to be out. Yeah. So um, we were here for a week. Um, She was in the NICU, and then she got flown down to Riley's. So, And then we spent... Three weeks there with her before yeah. she passed away,
0: and did you know during those three weeks that her chance of survival was very limited, or was it touch and go, or what was what was it? What was it like then?
1: Yeah, we were very naive with the NICU world. Um, they say it, it is a complete NICU world. They run it. Um, she did very well at first. She was barely even on any oxygen, and then it. You had good days and you had bad. Um, But we were very naive until um, right before she passed away. We were told that there were two syndromes she might have, Mm. and they were going to do genetic testing. Um, And I looked both of them up on my own, which you should be careful doing. (laughs) But um, I knew neither of them were going to be good, and we had a long road ahead of us either way. Mm. Um, But we didn't even get those results until after she had passed away. Uh So... She had gotten neck, and she got it a second time, and just couldn't fight it off
0: so yeah listeners that's a a sadly a common intestinal mm-hmm. complication of premature babies where the bowel is affected and uh, begins to die, and the child becomes septic mm-hmm. and infected, and then uh, often doesn't survive, as you point out yeah. um, but I know there's you know listeners thinking. That they just can't imagine what that was like to not know. And yeah. uh, what what do you remember about that time period? What were those feelings like then?
1: Um, I struggled um, with the fact that I was afraid to love her too much because I was trying to guard myself. Mm, yeah. Um, and that's when my husband was like, it's going to hurt either way. So just we got to love her as much as we can and spend as much time. Um, so that was one thing that I struggled with. Because yeah. um, once we learned that, yeah, I was just afraid to to be hurt anymore.
0: Yeah. how You had a three-year-old roughly then, yeah. too, your other daughter. Yeah. Um, what was that like trying to divide your emotions, so to speak, between a healthy Toddler and this critically ill child in the NICU.
1: I felt so torn because Mm. it was flu season, so Paisley couldn't be there. (laughs) So luckily we had gotten a room at the Ronald McDonald House, Mm. and my mom came up a lot um, and stayed there with my daughter Paisley. So I was constantly hopping back and forth because I felt like she needed me and I wanted to be with Austin in the hospital, and I just felt so torn. And then trying to keep things positive and happy for Paisley because she didn't understand exactly. Sure, it was hard to go from that to serious um, at the hospital. Hmm.
0: Do do you think she appreciated at the time that you know that her sibling was very sick?
1: I don't think she even understood how how sick she was. Um, She kind of saw the excitement from a little kid you know she got to fly in a helicopter and you know we're getting to stay in a hotel kind of thing you know she was super excited about that stuff I don't think she really understood Yeah. So.
0: well I I mean fortunately most people will never know um, what it's like Mm -hmm. to have a child in the NICU uh, Mm -hmm. let alone uh, not survive a NICU stay but Mm -hmm. you know if you were explaining that to listeners especially to Moms, or maybe wannabe moms, how would you even begin to explain those feelings? Uh,
1: the NICU is hard. <laughs> um, yeah. You feel isolated, mm-hmm. especially if it is during the flu season, oh, sure. and you're just up there. Um, not many people understand. It's it's kind of lonely, honestly, being up there and um,
0: surrounded by. Very sick, very tiny yeah. babies.
1: And you don't understand everything, And um, but just ask lots of questions. Mm-hmm. That was my biggest thing, and um, being an advocate for your baby. I learned a lot of things mm-hmm. of being in the NICU um, now, that I didn't expect. You know, not, to, not
0: to wordsmith you too much, but yeah. when you say be an advocate for your baby, what's what are you thinking when you say that? Because I'll bet most people— don't really understand what that means.
1: Yeah, um, it, it, it's okay to question yeah. why things are being done or why can't we do this instead, um, and just asking those questions and making sure that you're making the best decision for your baby.
0: Yeah, I, I like the example when sometimes in a in a setting a healthcare setting mm-hmm. like that, the healthcare worker, I'll just say, mm-hmm. will say, "Here's where we're going to do." Whereas they should say, here's what I'm recommending that we do. Yes. But the advocate mom would say, I need you to explain that a little bit more. Yeah. I'm not so sure I want to go that way. Yeah. Uh, And they have the right to do that. Yeah. The responsibility to do that, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah. We questioned a lot of things. Um, We just didn't want her to be a guinea pig Mm -hmm. um, with some stuff. Um, We wanted to make sure that we were doing the best thing for her. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, um, you know, she passed. Yeah. Um, And you and your husband mourned that. Yeah. Um, Do you remember when it got better?
1: Uh, Yeah. Every day got, you know, we grieved a lot, and we really leaned on each other. But every day, you know, got a little bit better Mm. and um, really just— Thinking about the future and dreaming about you know what things would be in the future is really what helped um, for us. And then getting that next pregnancy positive pregnancy test was was probably the getting back to the high of.
0: Sure. Yeah. Was that part of your plan to be pregnant again soon?
1: I wanted to be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then, how do you feel like the presence of your daughter Paisley affected you? during that morning grieving time?
1: I think I needed her. Ah. I needed um, someone to live for, you know, like she needed me and I knew that and I wanted to be the best mom for her. Yeah. So she really pushed me.
0: So. Wow. Yeah. So not much time goes by. Yeah. And you and your husband survive this ordeal yeah. and you decide we're gonna do this again. Uh, pick up the story there.
1: Um, So then we got pregnant again, and we then found out that that was an ectopic pregnancy. Um, So my numbers weren't doubling. We knew something was off, my HCGs.
0: But first you knew you were pregnant, and I'm guessing you were pretty excited. Very excited. Not thinking that there's anything wrong
1: yeah surely Um, nothing will go wrong even
0: though you had this pretty tough history of a loss and then another loss um, but you get a positive pregnancy test
1: yeah
0: life seems good yeah and then what starts happening
1: well and then I started bleeding and I knew something was wrong Mm -hmm. um and then we found out it was ectopic so I had surgery for that and they were able to save my tube Mm. Um, with that one.
0: Do you remember, um, I guess we should back up for listeners, mm-hmm. an ectopic pregnancy, usually we use the word ectopic, we mean tubal pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Ectopic just means outside of the uterus and in the overwhelming majority it's going mm-hmm. to be in the tube. Um, and the tube ruptures and um, it can cause severe bleeding. It can mm-hmm. cause death of the mother. It's a mm-hmm. very serious condition. Mm-hmm. A lot of moms who suffer an ectopic pregnancy describe this bizarre feeling of, on the one hand, I'm sad that I'm having a loss, and now I'm afraid I'm in trouble, that my Mm -hmm. own health is at risk. Do you remember those feelings?
1: Yeah. I didn't understand the gravity of it right away um, until things really started in the ER moving real quick, and people were kind of freaking out and i was like well maybe i should be a little (laughs) bit more worried (laughs) um but i did lose a lot of blood they Mm. had told me um so it was scary i know for aaron he said you know he was worried about losing me um where i was sad about losing the baby but then the it did shift my focus to to me then and staying strong because i was like i know i have paisley And I have a family.
0: (laughs) That needs you. Yeah. Yeah. It is a bizarre kind of combination of feelings, I think most women will say. But so they operated on you. You didn't have to have your tube removed. Yeah. So I'm sure you felt hopeful and positive to some degree about that. Yeah. Um, Again, not a lot of time goes Mm -hmm. by. And uh, you find that you're pregnant again. And that's about when we met you uh, at the Fertility Midwifery Care Center. So... Um, you're a new patient to us now with this Mm -hmm. very interesting past and you find out you're pregnant Mm -hmm. pick it up there
1: so this this pregnancy ended up being a tubal as well Mm. Um, but it was unexpected because my HCG numbers were doubling so I was like things are good this pregnancy is gonna be good Uh, it surely it won't happen again um, and then it did. Yeah. And at that point, I did lose my tube as well.
0: Yeah. Let's talk through that, um, that discussion, what that was like for you to learn that this time I've, I've lost half of my reproductive track, you might say. Yeah. Do you remember those feelings?
1: I remember feeling like this is it. We aren't going to be able to have more kids. Yeah. Um, and I knew I was told it wouldn't. Hurt our chances of getting pregnant again, but in my mind, I just couldn't believe how that wouldn't affect it. Um, so I kind of thought, this is it. <laughs> I've
0: lost a tube. I've had these losses. Yeah. We're lucky we have one child. Yep. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. But there's more.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> so um, I, yep, I lost that tube, and then uh, found out I had endometriosis. Right. So I had surgery to remove that. And then I really felt like I have two things stacked against me here. I'm missing a tube, and I have this, um, so... That had
0: I, to be overwhelming.
1: It was, especially when I, all I've wanted my entire life was to be a mom. I wanted five kids. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted, you know, I had it all planned, but God had different plans. Um so that was that was hard yeah. to hear that. But then we got pregnant with our rainbow baby. Now,
0: in that in those moments was did you have fear of getting pregnant again? Was did you have any reluctance? Because as mm-hmm. you as listeners probably know, there was a risk of another ectopic. Yeah. Because you had endometriosis. It doesn't selectively damage one tube generally. Mm-hmm. So you had a tube remaining. Yeah. But the feeling was it could be damaged, mm-hmm. uh, and you're at a higher risk for an ectopic. Yeah. Did you have discussions with your husband? Maybe maybe we should be done. Maybe we shouldn't try this yeah. again.
1: I think he knew that I wasn't done trying because I just wanted more babies. But um, every time I got that positive pregnancy test, it was an excitement mixed with fear Sure. because you don't know how long – you'll get to carry that baby. And it's hard to explain that um, that fear. And really, I had it until the day I delivered all my babies, yeah. um, just wondering, are we going to make it yeah. to 40 weeks this time?
0: Do you remember being, I'll, I'll say, counseled, so to speak, by friends or by family that, you know, Shelby, you, you're you not good at this. You should stop.
1: Um, <laughs> yes, but i ignored him (laughs) i knew what i wanted and i was just gonna pray about it and i knew that god knew my heart and what i wanted yeah so
0: that's beautiful i've had uh through the years husbands contact me separately and Mm -hmm. in situations like yours um and they said you know my wife wants to be pregnant again Mm -hmm. what what do you think i should do Mm -hmm. and uh, most of the time i think i've said I think you should probably get out of the way. <laughs> because if it's written on your heart to be pregnant again, I don't know that I've ever seen anything change that. Yeah. And it sounds like it was clearly written on yours. Yeah. So you get your nerve up. Oh, it didn't take much, it sounds like. Yeah. You convince your husband, we're going to do this again. Yeah. And you do. Not not much long longer after that, right? Yep. So now you're pregnant again. It's about 2020. Yep. And how does that go?
1: And that pregnancy was... Completely normal. <laughs> I carried him eight days over my due date, and that was my no, more, most normal pregnancy. <laughs> that that <laughs> one say. remaining
0: tube did the job. It did. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I think you tried to have a vaginal birth I because did. you'd had a C-section prior,
1: yeah.
0: uh, and that didn't work out. No. You ended up having another <laughs> C-section.
1: Yep. so um, that was my third
0: do you feel like um, your your VBAC ending in a C section? Did you feel a component of failure there, disappointment? Yeah. Do you even remember?
1: Um, I did feel like that was something I had to grieve because I had always wanted a natural birth. Sure. I wanted to experience that, and so I did feel like I needed to to grieve that. And sometimes I still wish that I had yeah. gotten that experience. Yeah, but I'm just glad that my babies were here safe. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you had the C-section, yeah. and now you think, okay, we've got this. Yeah. We figured this out. Yeah,
1: nothing could go wrong.
0: <laughs> but you're not done.
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah. about a year goes by, and yeah. what happens
1: then? Um, we had another miscarriage, um, and we actually had two then. Um, and at that point, I just surrendered it all to God. and.
0: Yeah, you had two more miscarriages. Yeah. Back-to-back back yep. after your, your repeat C-section, yep. relatively closely together, right? Yeah. And would, when you say, because people mean different things, I know, when you say give it to God, mm-hmm. was there a component of giving up, of surrender, or what were those yeah. feelings then?
1: Yeah, I just remember feeling like I have these two beautiful children here, mm-hmm. and if that's all that God gives me, that's okay. And I finally accepted that. Because that
0: wasn't okay before.
1: No. Yeah. Yeah, as much as I may have said it, I didn't believe it in my heart. Yeah. But um yeah, and then now,
0: was that a place of peace or yeah. what was that like?
1: Yeah, a complete peace. I just knew that it's okay. This is, you know, what God gave me and I'm happy. <laughs> and I'm going to just soak it all up.
0: That must be that peace that surpasses all understanding.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: so you're you you give up we're not going yeah. to be pregnant necessarily anymore Yep. um and then somewhere along the way you decided we're not going to be pregnant anymore but our family's not full yeah talk about that decision and that part of the journey yeah.
1: so actually after austin had passed away we we talked about adoption um and so we started that journey so that was a four year journey for us.
0: What, uh, and of course, I know the answer to this question because I'm an adoptive parent, but
1: yep. what were
0: those conversations like? You know, why adopt? Why not adopt? Yeah. Should we adopt?
1: Yeah. What was that like? Well, we debated fostering, uh-huh. but I just didn't know if I could do it. Um, I, I didn't know how that would be to take care of a child. Um,
0: And then say goodbye, potentially.
1: Yeah, especially with all of our loss already. So I was kind of against it. I told Aaron, God's going to have to work on my heart (laughs) if that's what he wants me to do. (laughs) Um, But adoption was something that we both were just on board for.
0: Did you ever talk about adoption before you had your loss, Um, maybe even early in your marriage? Was that something that you guys considered...
1: No, not yeah. until after Austin huh. had passed away.
0: And then, do you remember? Was your husband initially in favor, not in favor, lukewarm
1: about adoption? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he was on board right away. At first, when I brought up the topic, I didn't know how he would feel about it. Yeah,
0: I hear that a lot from yeah. from moms. Sure. Yeah,
1: but he was on board right away with it. Yeah. So.
0: It's funny um, as an adoptive parent, I've yeah. been asked uh, before. Were you worried that you would love your adopted kids as much as your biological kids? Like you, I have both. Yeah. Um, and I remember being asked that and not exactly knowing how to answer because mm-hmm. I would think to myself, well, I, I guess maybe I am worried about that. I haven't thought yeah. about it until you ask me. Yeah. But then I heard someone say, ask a pregnant mother mm-hmm. when she loved her baby. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I've asked pregnant moms that for years and years, and most of them would say, the second I saw that positive pregnancy test. Yeah. And then it occurred to me later, when we saw our adoptive kids for the first time, that's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. It happened instantaneously. So, yeah. so fathers, if you're listening, um, let me just tell you as an adoptive mm-hmm. father, it's not a problem. Yeah. Uh, my biological kids might say, I love my adoptive kids more. Um, <laughs> and we could argue about that. <laughs> So so you, you yeah. decide this is the way to go, yeah. and you all start pursuing adoption. Now, there's open adoption and closed adoption yeah. and infant adoption and international adoption.
1: Yeah.
0: Walk us through that whole decision process.
1: So we decided to go domestically in the United States, yeah. um, and I, we did infant adoption is mm-hmm. what we were looking for. Um, so that, that journey started actually before we had our son. We had started that journey, and when we got pregnant with him, we went on hold with our agency. Um, But we had a lot of ups and downs with that as well. We had lots of birth mothers that we talked to, Mm. and then they decided to parent, or we had one that miscarried. Um, So that was almost a sense of loss as well, kind of getting your hopes up, and then it didn't work out. Um, So that was a long road, too. Um, But we finally found (laughs) a couple days after I surrendered everything, (laughs) and I was happy with my two and thankful. And a couple days later, we got a call that there was a baby girl waiting for us uh, to come pick her up.
0: (laughs) And you'd been there before, though. So I'm sure you had some trepidation about this.
1: Um, Yeah, I was a little bit. Nervous I couldn't wait to get it was a different state so we had to drive there Yeah, and I just wanted to get there and meet the birth mom. Yeah, and really talk to her See the baby and everything
0: So at that point you you had uh, a healthy uh, Toddler post a toddler yeah. you'd been through Unimaginable pain with the mm-hmm. loss of a child in yeah. the NICU you'd had losses losses that threatened your life yeah. and you'd sort of given up Mm-hmm. And uh, then decided to adopt and had more losses. Mm-hmm. And then you go to see another baby. Yeah. Help us um, try to imagine what that felt like. Were you guarded? Mm-hmm. What were you
1: then? It was instant love <laughs> <laughs> with this child. And I knew even if things didn't work out, I would always just love this child in a way. Um, but
0: doesn't take long, does it?
1: No. The first time I held her, I was like, I just knew, I loved her. (laughs) So, but there's a period of time where the birth mother can relinquish.
0: Sure, change her mind. Yeah.
1: And um, it just felt like I was holding my breath and waiting to be told, you know, she changed her mind. Yeah. So, but that passed and... um,
0: Now, how old is your first child at this point?
1: Um, she was six at this, or no, just turned seven. Okay. Party. Yeah.
0: So you're busy, mom. Yeah. Running around with a seven year old, and you get this infant.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and the story's mm-hmm. not quite over.
1: Yeah. So we had to stay in that state um, until the states had communicated. Yeah. Um, And so we were living in a hotel with a baby (laughs) and two other children. And a seven-year-old. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Not so easy. Yep. And my
1: mom was there to help, too. Um, And six days after she was born, we found out we were pregnant.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Of course you did.
1: Yes. So at that point, I was like, oh, boy. And we were in a different state. I didn't have the medications that I had taken with our other son sure. and so I was nervous about that um, but again I just gave it to God and um, we actually just had that baby here in July so
0: yeah you know, so I, I think listeners are probably sitting on the back of their chair trying to figure <laughs> this out at this point but did you, yeah. you know what were those feelings like in that hotel room worried about losing a, an adoptive infant again yeah. because you'd been there before mm-hmm. Uh, to find out you were pregnant.
1: Yeah.
0: Were you fearful? Were you afraid? Was it complete elation? What What were those feelings?
1: Um, it was a mixture of excitement, <laughs> and this isn't okay. They're too close. to This is not how I would have planned it. Sure. <laughs> but um, definitely excitement. So.
0: Well, I guess there's no such thing as unplanned.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, and then you have an uneventful, I guess it's fair to say, yeah. pregnancy. Uh, again, you'd done yeah. that before once, and now you have another uneventful one and delivered a beautiful baby. Yeah, And I think when we talked about having you come on mm-hmm. this episode, I walked in the room mm-hmm. and you were – uh, giving your adopted infant uh, <laughs> breast milk from a bottle, yep. having just breastfed your <laughs> biological infant. Yes. Uh, and what's how far apart are they in They're age? They're
1: eight months apart. Of course. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much biologically impossible. Yeah. Uh, so really you have twins. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's just remarkable. Yeah. What a great story.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah, highs and lows. Yeah. And you tell it with such grace as though it was not difficult. Yeah. Um I happen to know, and listeners have mm-hmm. gathered, that you're a woman of faith. Yeah. What part did your faith play in all of this journey?
1: Yeah. I struggled with my faith, if I'm honest, after Austin died because yeah. I couldn't understand why God would let me hurt this much. Yeah. Um, and then even through some of the miscarriages, you know, I had faith, um, but I did want to question why um why these things were happening and i was like god knows my heart and i i would constantly have that conversation with him you know Mm. me you know my heart why and my dream has always been because we try to plan things on our own i wanted my five kids by the time i turned 30 (laughs) and um it just wasn't happening and but through it all my faith got stronger um and I really learned to lean on God mm. even more. Even when I thought I had been doing it before, yeah. I realized that I wasn't. Um, and then to see it come to fruition, I got my fifth baby <laughs> before I turned 30. <laughs> well, so,
0: but not in the way that you expected or not planned. Not at all. That's not probably all. part of the story, isn't it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs>
0: Do you remember in the maybe in what? some would call the dark time or maybe mm-hmm. the lowest times yeah. um, you, you know um, plenty of people I'm thinking of uh, Mother Teresa have talked about periods of darkness mm-hmm. where it felt like God wasn't present do you yeah. remember those feelings?
1: Yeah sometimes I wondered where are you? Yeah. Why would you let me hurt this bad? Yeah. Um,
0: and then do you remember something changing?
1: Um, The biggest thing, um, I remember I talked to the pastor at church because I was concerned. I didn't want to be in this place where I was angry at God or questioning him. And I was told, find three things every day to be thankful for Mm. and thank God for those and make them different things every day. Uh, Um, And doing that, that really helped pull me out of that place that I was at.
0: Yeah. When we, my wife, and I were mm-hmm. going through our adoption journey, yeah. I found myself doing a lot of fist pounding on mm-hmm. the desk. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife at the time gave great counsel and said, you know, our God is big enough for you to be angry. Yeah. And I thought, well, it's a good thing yeah. because, because mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. Um, and I don't exactly remember it turning the corner. I just know that it turned. Yeah. But um, I think what you're describing probably – I've seen that a lot in my career – when it can get so low, mm-hmm. people can really turn away. Yeah. And it's a pivotal moment. You could turn either way and walk away or, or sort of lean in. Yeah. Um, and thank God you leaned in. Yeah. Um, but that, that had to be so tough.
1: Yeah. And it helped, too. We had a lot of people praying mm-hmm. for us and over us, even even though we didn't know it at yeah. the time. We were very... Very much prayed for, and that helped too.
0: So, you know, if you're talking to couples that are struggling with infertility Mm -hmm. and loss, uh, and you've suffered, not just loss but all kinds of loss, Mm -hmm. um, how do you speak to them? How do you encourage them to press on, uh, or do you? What do you say to them?
1: Yeah, I think it's very personal what you decide to do, but if it's in your heart just keep pushing and talk to people um, who have been there I've gone to support groups that were great that really helped me and I still go to them uh, but find resources and Mm -hmm. talk to people just follow your heart how do you
0: feel Mm -hmm. like your husband reacted to all of these things was it similar to how you reacted Mm -hmm. was his reaction and path different what do you think
1: I think I was the more emotional, you know, I took it really hard. And I think he did, too, Mm. although he didn't show it as much. I think he wanted to just be strong Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Um, I think he felt that was his role. And you didn't see the sadness, I guess, as much. Yeah. Um, One thing after one of the miscarriages, I was just really low. And uh, I just needed him to be there. We didn't really talk. We just sat on the couch and watched a present, show. Yeah. But just physically being there yeah. with me is what I needed.
0: Yeah, I, I find, you know, we men are sort of w- wired to kill the bear, I say, right. you know, to mm-hmm. attack the threat. Yeah. It's in our DNA. Yeah, um, And this threat is too big. You yeah. know, you can't attack it. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times that leaves men feeling helpless. Yeah. And generally speaking, we don't do well <laughs> yeah. with helpless. And so mm-hmm. we might tend to just shut down as a response to the feeling of helplessness. Yeah. And then that can be misinterpreted by, by our spouses or by the community as sort of disengaging and mm-hmm. maybe not connecting, not caring when in, in reality it isn't. I think a lot of times it's just not knowing what to do because it's so easy to see this bears too big. Can't get this one, yeah. um, but as you said, just sometimes being physically present. Mm-hmm. I think too we're wired to be fixers. Yeah. We can't fix this. Yeah. But it doesn't mean we can't help. Right. And I love the way you said I just needed him there. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to say anything brilliant. Yep. Uh, which we're not always great at that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he was just physically present. Yeah. Uh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Good. Thank well, let's continue, maybe with this advice theme a bit and focus just on sort of the healthcare part. Um, because time and again, you know, I encounter families um, in that second, and that third, or in that fourth loss. And, you know, the stories that we hear are not always, they're not always great ones. So how would you advise, you know, another mother that maybe is early on in your journey and mm-hmm. struggling? You know, what, what kind of lessons learned could you share from along the way?
1: Yeah. So with a lot of my losses, I did a lot of research on my own yeah. or I tried to, and I asked a lot of questions. Could it be this? Could it be that? Right. Um, and I was told pretty much no, um, but I kept, I knew that there had to be something. Yeah. Um, so I did, I did end up switching providers. Um, I wanted somebody that stood for the same things I did. And um, I actually had gotten a call from a friend who was like, have you gone to Fertility and Midwifery (laughs) Care Center yet? And I was like, no. And I looked you guys up, and (laughs) then I made the call. But I knew – I didn't know what my options were, I guess, at first until I got that phone call.
0: You know, it's interesting you said that sort of isn't aligned with your – you know, your beliefs and your approach, mm-hmm. and, and my brain automatically goes to issues of life there, yeah. but there's a lot of issues, you know, outside of just how you feel about life, and um, I'm sure you, you encountered um, sort of a termination message yeah. uh, when you realized that one of your children had an anomaly, but that's not the time, is it, to realize the person across the table doesn't share my values. Um, And I'm not being judgmental against those providers that don't share a patient's values, but that's a tough time to figure it out Yeah, because you're in the throes of this tragedy and you realize all of the sudden Mm -hmm. this provider is recommending something that's not appropriate for me.
1: Yeah, when we were asked to terminate um, with Austin with that pregnancy, it was a no, and it was never gonna be a yes. <laughs> but we were asked multiple times, really, and it just felt like our decision wasn't being respected. Mm. Um, we were still being pushed to terminate.
0: I mean, I hate to ask the naive question, but yeah. do you do you have a sense of why? Why do you feel like mm. the system, so to speak, was pushing you in that way?
1: I think it was gonna be easier mm. for them is what they thought yeah. or that her life didn't have value yeah. and to me I knew it didn't.
0: I mean I'd like to assume good yeah. intent and I, yeah. I think I think those people in that position think honestly they're helping yeah. by saying we're going to prevent you pain and suffering yeah. by by ending all of this mm-hmm. so to speak. Not fully recognizing how, yeah. how untrue that is. Yeah. Um, but again that's a tough time to be having those kind of conversations. Yeah. Um, so maybe a takeaway is find find healthcare providers that see the world through a similar lens. Yes. Um, or at least I would say w- willing to recognize that you don't see the world through a similar lens. Yeah. And and then respect the other person's vision. Yeah. I think sometimes that's missing.
1: Yeah. I yeah. agree.
0: Well it's been it's been an amazing story. It's been an amazing journey. Uh, You tell it with such grace um, and uh, with the heart of a mother. Um, Any final sort of thoughts for moms listening?
1: Just follow your dream. (laughs) If you want a big family, just don't give up. Keep trying.
0: I can't imagine ending it any better than that. Well, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this discussion as much as I know I've enjoyed it. And I even got to participate in part of it, and it's been great uh, hearing, hearing it again. Do you have a story that you'd like to share with us, listeners, we'd, we'd love to hear it. Shelby's story is a remarkable one, and we know there's a lot of other really remarkable touching stories out there. You can reach me via email, and we can arrange to, to have you come on the podcast. We'd love to. It's, it's Dr. Stroud, that's D-R-S-T-R-O-U-D, At fertilityandmidwifery.com. You can even message me directly if you'd like to 260-450-8878. I want to thank you for joining us on All Things Women's Health. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, We'll be back soon with another episode uh, and I hope you'll join us regularly. Thanks again for listening to All Things Women's Health. I'm Dr. Chris Stroud.